Welcome to Cross Lane Community Church, where we are committed to bringing people to Jesus. We hope you enjoy this online message. We started this whole series with this thought, that everything, remember the hand motions we did? Everything belongs to God, everything comes from God, and all things are dispersed by God. Remember that? Pretty good. Some of you are already saying it with me. That's, that's good. Um, and whether we realize it or not, we, we are stewards. You, you say, well, I'm, you know, I don't want to be a steward. I, it's not, it doesn't work like that. You are a steward, whether you want to be or not. Um, we, don't, we don't own anything. Everything we handle comes from God. And uh, that's what we learned on, on week one. And then last week we looked at this fascinating parable. This, this idea that, that Jesus told this story about um, how God views not just our money, but all of the stuff that we have. And, and we, Lord knows we got lots of stuff. And Jesus interpreted that, that parable basically to say that everything you and I own is, a, is either a tool that it's, it's, it's a tool. It's something that we've been given in order to make kingdom stuff happen. It's a test. In other words, God, when he resources us, wants to see if, if we're going to do with it what he wants us to do with it. And much like maybe when you, if you've got kids, if you've ever given your kids some money and they've gone on and blown it all on, on like candy bars or something, and you think, oh, you didn't do good. You, you failed the test. You know, sometimes we do that. Only our, our candy bars have chrome on them. And, and, and our candy bars, you know, come with two bathrooms and three bedrooms. You know, that, those are our candy bars sometimes. And so it's a, it's a tool. It's a test. And then he said it's a trademark. It tells not only those who are watching us, but it tells God to whom our heart really belongs. And, and, and from God's perspective, when he gives us things, when he gives us money, what he's doing is he's saying, look, you've got a tool, a test, and a trademark, and, and you need to you know, step very wisely as you go forward. Today I want to talk about the primary reason why most of us don't live as stewards. And, and it isn't because we don't love God. It's not that we don't understand all that he's done for us. It's not that we're ungrateful. It's, it's not any of that stuff. It's not that we don't understand that it all belongs to God, comes from God, is dispersed by God. It's not that we don't get that it's a tool test and a trademark. It's none of that stuff. None of those things is what keeps us from being good givers. Um, you know, what keeps us from opening our hands and saying, God, I'm just going to go for it. I, I, you know, I'm a little scared, but I'm going to go for it. I want to move simply past giving you the leftovers and I want to move into a deep relationship with you, a trusting relationship where I put you first, where I back up what I say I believe, not only with the way I live my life, but with my wallet. And I don't want to back it up. And I'm going to show you that when I tell you I love you, I mean I love you. And I want to live my life in such a way and handle my finances in such a way that tells everybody that's watching, I belong to you. Now, what keeps us from that, I think, is not that we don't understand, not that we don't get any of the stuff we've been talking about for the last two weeks. What keeps us from that simply is fear. We're afraid. It comes down to a trust thing. Yet what we do is we what if our way out of giving, right? That's what we do because we lay awake at night. God, what if I lose my job? What if my boss fires me? What if, you know, what if the stocks don't do what I'm hoping they're going to do? What if the stock market crashes? What if, what if you know, um, I don't get the bonus that I was expecting? You know, what if my parents leave everything I, that I'm supposed to get to my brother and they don't leave me anything? You know, what if all these things don't happen and we just lay awake and we, we, 
dream up all these scenarios and all it does is it causes us to have this great fear and we we go through this thing where we don't trust like we're supposed to and when it comes to time to give whatever's in the wallet you know we just kind of sling at god just a you know an afterthought of a thing and and that's kind of how we do our offering and, and behind all of that is just this fear that god i don't know if you're going to take care of me i don't know if you're going to meet my needs i don't know if i can really trust you to do what you say you will do but but here's something that you will that we will never hear you pray if that's the kind of person you are if you're the kind of person who lays awake at night doing the whole what if thing and if you're the kind of person who who hates to see the offering come around and if you're the kind of person who's kind of a leftover kind of giver here's a prayer that we are never going to hear you pray dear god as you can see i am in a financial hardship but i don't need your help because all this time i've been robbing you i've been putting money away somewhere for a rainy day and so now that i'm having trouble you go help somebody else and i'm just going to dip into this fund that i've been keeping back and not been giving to you and i'm going to help myself out of that we're never going to hear you pray that prayer you know why because that's not what you're doing because what we do is we we keep back from god and we find some other place to do something with that money and what we're telling god we may not realize it but if i just described you as a if if i just described you when i talked about that what if kind of thing what you're telling god in a roundabout way is god i don't want you involved in this area of my life now we talk an awful lot about making god the lord of all the areas of our life it's interesting to me that this is usually usually this is the last area that we finally say god i'm going to give this to you and and i've known some great christian people over my lifetime that had christianity down and living their life for jesus down in a lot of ways and they did not have this area of their life down and basically what they were saying to god was i don't trust you and so you know when the bottom drops out we we don't um we we kind of get to this place where we we don't say god i don't need your help it's no no when the bottom drops out whether we've been good givers or not good givers what do our prayers sound like our prayers sound like god you gotta help me and so suddenly you're desperate and you want god to help you in the area of your finances but you know what you haven't been saying all along is lord i'm going to give you permission to get involved in this area of my life now now, at some point haven't we all done that we've all kind of kind of been that way so here's the bottom line the bottom line is all of us want god involved i think i think that's true i think all of us want god involved and we want him involved now because we feel the need or eventually all of us will feel the need uh at some point in our life to go man god you know this things are a little tight right now i could really use a little help i could use a little you know if you could just flood a little cash my way a little little folding money god would be good right now and the wise man and the wise woman says up front to god god i want you involved in this part of my life i want you involved there's not any part of my world that i don't want you involved in i want you a part of all of it as we're going to see this morning you can position yourself so that there is some sort if there is some sort of financial problem in your world and the bottom drops out if the interest rate goes bad if you know housing market whatever that the truth is there is a place where you can be personally uh, assured that god is going to be involved in, and look after what's going on in your world as as your steward uh, you would be saying to god as your steward god obviously you can see that i'm in this tough place but i want you to know i trust you 
I want you to know that, that I know that you've been involved in my finances when things were great. Now that things aren't so great, I want you to know I know you're still involved in my finances. I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to get weird. I'm going to trust you. I know that you're here, God. And I'm not going to let this whole thing um, get crazy on me. But there's something a little bit hypocritical, isn't there? About a person who has robbed God their whole life. And then all of a sudden, when their finances go south, now they're all of a sudden they're praying about how, God, you've got to help me and you've got to show yourself faithful and you've got to come along and help me with my money. So today's passage is, is directed toward Christians. So here's the good news for all of you people in the room that have yet to give your life to Christ. You get to take the day off. Okay? If you're not a Christian this morning, I'm glad you're here. We're glad you're here. But you get to get an upfront and close personal look at the rest of us Christians who are going to sweat a little bit as we think about how we've handled our resources and what God calls us to and how he expects us to be. And so as you consider this whole thing about, you know, what does it mean to give Christ all of my life? One of the things that it means when you give Christ all of your life, I would hope, is this area of your finances. So if you're not a believer today, um, you're welcome, and, and hopefully you get something good out of it. This is one thing I'll tell you. If it makes sense, you'll find it backed up by Scripture. If it makes sense, you'll find it backed up by Scripture. So you may not even believe in Jesus. I'm telling you, this principle we're going to talk about today makes sense even if you don't believe in Jesus. So, um, you're, And if you're, not a, a, if you're not a believer and if you're, or if you're a guest, you're thinking, I knew it. I knew it. Preachers, all they talk about is money. Here I am. I'm at church, and, and he's going to talk about money. Yes, I am. Hopefully, I'm going to do it in a way that you've never heard before. So we'll see. Um, where was I? I need to skip some here. Skip, skip, skip. So turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is a letter that was written to the church at Corinth. And uh, this was a very generous bunch of people. Um, Paul is going to write back to these people and he's going to thank them. He's already collected an offering from them. Okay, so this isn't, what you're about to read from Paul isn't Paul trying to squeeze this group of people for more money. Okay, I know that's what some people think preachers do. That's not what Paul's doing. Paul has already collected an offering. This church has proven itself to be very faithful, very generous, and now Paul's going to write back to them, and he's going to explain some things. What they've done is they've given an offering to the church at Jerusalem. The church at Jerusalem was having some trouble, and so Paul went around, he collected an offering from several of the other churches so that they could take it back to the church at Jerusalem. They were really in hardship. And so now he's writing back, he's thanking them, and he's you know, telling these brothers and sisters, you know, thank you for responding to other brothers and sisters who needed your help, and you did a great job. And then he says, by the way, let me tell you, as you've been generous givers, let me tell you how this whole giving thing works. For those of you who gave and were, were maybe a little bit afraid, here's what's going to happen uh, to me when, when I have a need. Or you know, if, you, if that's what you've thought, he's telling them, if you've ever thought, man, well, I'm going to give this, but what about me? He says, I'm going I'm to help you understand that. He says, now that you've given, now that you've collected, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. And if you've got a pen in your hand, that'd be great. Get, I want you to circle some things. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He's talking about money here. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. What's he saying? He's talking about, he's talking about the law of the harvest. Okay? If you ever hear a preacher talk about money and they do this, the giving sermon kind of deal, typically you will hear him talk about the law of the harvest. I've heard about this since I was a little kid. 
It's, it's something that every farmer knows. Every farmer knows that if you expect to walk out into your fields in early, mid, late fall, and you've planted some kind of crop, you're going to expect there to be something in the field. And you know that if you haven't planted anything during planting season, that when you walk out during harvest time and everybody else is harvesting crops, you shouldn't expect a harvest because you didn't plant anything in the first place. Law of the harvest. That's what he's talking about here. And so, just as the farmer sows seed, he invites the, fa the father to be involved in his farming. You say, well, how is that? Well, God has established a principle, and, and it's, it's you sow what you, you, you reap what you sow, both in lifestyle and on your farm, and you sow what you reap in terms of your finances. And he says, you know, for those of you who've given, for those of you who are afraid to give, you need to understand that when you give, it enables God then to return back more of what you've given. It's just a principle. Now let's face it, it is a principle that can be taken to extremes because I know what some of you do. Because some of you, before you come to church, you sit and watch some preacher on television, don't you? I know how you do. I know how you do. You watch some slick television preacher and he does it right, and then you come listen to me and compare, and I can't, I can't compete with those guys. But typically, if you've been watching a preacher on television, not, not all of them, some of them are, kind of, are pretty good, but there's one or two that if when they get on you this isn't the first time you've heard this whole thing about seed is it you hear about seed money they talk to you about seed money and you just need to send me some seed money and they tell you things like if you send me a dollar god's going to send you a hundred dollars now do we really believe that do you think i believe that let me tell you if i believed that was true when we did the offering at this church we wouldn't take money from you we would give you a dollar and we would expect you to give us a hundred dollars back that's how that would work okay so so we're not we're not taking this thing to extremes there's crazy people do crazy stuff with scripture and, and i almost when i got into this and started getting ready for this i thought man i don't want to talk about seed because i'm going to sound like one of those tv preachers and you know all i need's a you know a, a cloth to wipe my brow with and i could sell it for hundreds of dollars or something like that you know bless it and pray over it and get somebody to send me money none of that stuff okay we're not getting crazy we're just talking about the law of the harvest and so paul says when you give god wants to return back to you because you've shown yourself faithful see who ever heard of a farmer that had a bucket of seed and he walked around with his hand over it like this and he said i'm not going to sow any of this seed because if i sow seed i won't have any left you, you would go up to him and you would say, you know what, you need to, you need to go into fixing computers or something because you're, you're a horrible farmer because you're not going to have a crop if you don't plant the seed. And he's walking around, he's got his seed bucket all covered up. You say, dude, if you don't put it in the ground, you're not going to have anything. I know, but if I do that, I won't have any seed. You'd want to smack him around a little bit and say, you know, good thing I'm not dependent on you to eat. What would we say to a guy that hadn't planted anything, comes out during the harvest season and says, where's my corn? I think we'd call him stupid, I think. That's just not smart. I mean, we all know that. That's the law of the harvest. And yet, we are this guy sometimes in the way we look at our money. God says, you know, it's the same thing. The law of the harvest applies to your giving. Now, some of you, if you just lay in bed at night, you, you know, you do this whole what-if thing, 
the wisest thing you can begin to do is to sow seed into the kingdom of God. The wisest thing you can do is to show God you're serious about inviting Him into your financial situation. Why? Well, let's look at what the text says. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will reap generously. Um, sparingly, we read that about sparingly, the, the, that literally means sows in a miserly fashion. So if you sow a miserly seed, what do you expect? You expect a miserly crop. If, you don't, you know, if you're just going to sling a little bit of seed out there, don't expect a whole great big harvest. The more you sow, the more you're going to reap. It is a principle. And so, you know, some of you are insecure about this, and you've never been generous or a bountiful giver, and you've never seen this work in your life. And so you stand on the edge, and you believe, and you want to, and you want to trust, but you just can't bring yourself to jump. So here, here's what he says. He says, for those of you who sow sparingly, that is the kind of crop you can expect out of your, out of your uh, planning. Uh, you know, for those of you who sow generously, you can expect a lot. It's just a principle. So some of you are brand new Christians. And this whole giving thing, you know, the, the, the whole when the offering plate gets passed, for some of the new Christians, it's, it's, it looks kind of like this. Oh, God. You know, and you do it, but you're not really sure about it. And, you know, Brett says, if I do this, you're going to bless me. But, oh. And it's, you've never done that before. And now you've become a Christian, and now you're given, and it's like, oh, man, what a... God understands that. God understands it's hard. He understands that you've worked hard to get that. He understands the premium on money in our culture, in our society. But you want to see God do something in your finances? Trust Him with them. Trust Him with them. Think about the people in your life who mean the most to you in your life. They've proven themselves to you. You've said, you know what, I can trust you. I know you're going to do the right thing. You need to look in your bucket. You need to see how much seed is in your bucket. You need to get a big handful and just sow it. But we, we have this tendency to hang on. It's a principle. It's, it's an invitation from God's perspective. And if you're insecure about money, the dumbest thing you can do is hang on to it because you're telling God, nope, I got this. Don't need you in this area of my life. Just stay away. I'll take care of it. Um, it's mine. You know what happens when you do that to God? God says, okay. Okay. I'd love to get involved. I'd love to come alongside. I'd love to resource you. I'd love to bless you. But when you tell me you don't need me and when you tell me you don't trust me with that part of your life, I'll take my hands off. That's how it looks from God's perspective. Now, that, that seems pretty clear. And keep in mind, Paul's not trying to get anything from these people. Okay? It's not, he's not doing the whole preacher voodoo thing where, you know, give me your money. He, they already collected the offering. He's just trying to do some teaching with them. God is looking for people that he can work through. God is looking for people who will resource his kingdom. And so he's just, Paul's telling these people that. Now, the, the question comes up, how much should we give? Right? That's one of the questions that comes up. I'm probably going to surprise you here a little bit. Because some of you probably have a number in your head right now. Like a number for everybody that's the same number, but it's a percentage. And, and you know what? If that's what you're doing, that's great. If, if that's what you're doing, that's great. I would say that it's, a goal would be to not stop there. The goal is always to see how much you can increase that. But, but it, just let me, let me help you a little bit. Because there's an answer in Scripture in the New Testament and I venture to say it's not the answer you're expecting, and it is a very open-ended answer to the question. How much should I give? Look at verse 7. Each of you 
should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Now, you've got to love that. You've got to love that. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. How much should I give? However much you've decided to give. Really? You mean there's not like a percentage thing I'm supposed to? The Bible says that each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. And then we get this part. This is a very familiar part of the verse. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a, what kind of giver? Cheerful giver. And what he contrasts here is the impulsive giving that we do a lot of time versus planned out thoughtful giving. In other words, um, the application is this. Look. God would say, I want you to stop showing up at church and getting all weird about the offering because here is what happens. Am I right? Now, don't raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass you, but I, I'm going to nail a bunch of us in the room because we have all been where I'm about to describe. You're in church, and the guys come forward, and they get those offering plates, and they start to, and the minute the guys stand up and make their way to the front, you go, oh, man, it's offering time. And you start patting down your pockets, trying to remember how much money you brought, and I didn't plan to give. I forgot about this part of church. And oh no, everybody else is going to be given. And I just bought some gum at the store and broke that five I had. And now what am I going to do? And oh, I, I think I, do I have a, can I get the dollar bill out before he comes by? And because we're afraid that everybody else is going to see that we only gave a dollar, what do we do with the dollar? We wad it up and twist it. And, and then as it goes by, we throw it in real quick and we pass the plate. We get weird, don't we, when it comes to that offering part. We just get weird. I get weird this way because we, I, I'm a, we are a consistent percentage giver in our house, and so. But when I go visit another church, I typically don't give to their offering because I'm giving my offering here, and so I get weird. You know how I talk about better to be spiritual than look spiritual, but somehow. That gets me whenever this plate's coming by. I'm like, man, I'm going to look really unspiritual when this plate goes by, and I'm a preacher, and I'm not even putting anything in the plate. You know, and I, and I hurry up and pass it by. I know how we do and how we are. We just get weird, don't we? God says, look, I don't want you to be like that. And, and can I just tell you, Paul didn't want these people to be like that. And can I tell you as, the, as your pastor, I don't want you to look at our offering that way. I don't ever want you, when people stand up to come collect an offering, I don't want you to think anything other, if you have any thought other than, oh goody, I get to participate in the offering, don't give. Did you hear that? If you can't look at those guys coming forward and saying, this is my opportunity to bless God back, and I am a, I am a cheerful giver, don't give. We never want to manipulate you into giving at this church. We never want to make you feel like anything other than a cheerful giver. And I'm a, I don't know what other kind of churches you've been to and how you've been talked to about money, but I'm telling you as the pastor of this church, we do not want your money if your money is not given cheerfully because it's in violation of Scripture. Scripture says you should be a cheerful giver. And if we've manipulated you in any way and you think, oh, okay, I'll give you my 20, why would we want that? Why would God want that? You know what that's like? That's like me and you being 20 years old and you've invited me to your birthday party. And I'm going to show up at your birthday party and I get there and I see that other people have brought gifts for you and I have not brought a gift for you. So I say, oh, I forgot. My gift is in the car. I'll be right back. 
and I run to my car, and I run down to the store, and I go buy something on the spur of the moment, buy a little wrapping paper while I'm there. I get back to your house, wrap it up real quick. I come running in. Here's my gift. (sighs) And you know I've been gone way too long. You know what I did. Now, honestly, do you really want somebody to give you a birthday present under those circumstances? Do you really feel like whoever it is that's giving you the gift really wants to give you a gift and has really thought about the gift that they're giving? No. What you know is they felt guilty, and they're giving me this purely because they felt bad, and so they went out and did this horrible thing. God says, look, I don't want you to give like that. If you give like that, it doesn't bless my heart. It just makes me feel like a... You know, like I've manipulated you or twisted you or done something like that. If you can't give to me, God would say, and you can't do it with a cheerful heart, just just keep it. But understand, if that's the way it's going to be, don't expect me to get involved in your finances. God says, I want you to think about it. I want you to pray about it. I want this to be something that you, you have purposed in your heart. And if you're married, this is what God wants you to do. He wants you to go home, talk to your spouse, and say, babe, you know, based on how much seed we've got in our bucket, what do you think is, a, is, a, is a, a figure that we need to start consistently planning to give to God on a regular basis? And see, I mean, we've got stuff coming up later on. We're going to get into stuff in March, and, and this is going to get to be a big deal. I don't want you to just give when it's building time. I don't want you to just give when we show you pictures of crying babies. And I don't want you to, I don't wanna, I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm trying to help you to understand that when you invite God into the financial part of your world, you would be amazed at what it does for every other spiritual part of your life. And and the people who are consistent percentage givers are nodding their head right now and they're saying, he's exactly right. I'm, I'm sure right now I got people in the crowd that are going, man, I wish I could tell my story. I wish I could tell what's going on in my world since I gave God control over my finances. God says, I don't want you to do any kind of emotional giving. I want you to sit down when your mind is clear and I want you to say, look, this is what's in my bucket. This is where God's blessed us. This is the percentage amount of seed that we are now going to give back. We have made up our mind. We have purposed in our heart. This is what we're going to give. Verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. You're to give when things are good. Give when things aren't so good. When, when you can make ends meet, when the ends don't seem to really want to meet. Sow your seed, and as you do, God is going to bless you and return to you in accordance to the way you have sown. So how much do you give? You, you give what you purpose in your heart. But see, some of us still give leftovers. Some of us still, we wait to the end of the week, we see what we got left over, and if there's a couple bucks in there, we throw it God's way, and we don't really feel all that good about it. And to be honest, we probably feel like we, we have to, or it's a good luck kind of thing, or, you know, God, hope you saw that. Um, I hope you, you know, uh, there's a country song, Kenny Chesney sings a country song about, you know, God, I hope you saw what I did in the offering because he's trying to cover his bets. That's not, God's like, that that doesn't work. That doesn't mean anything to me. So you you go home this afternoon, you spend some time with your husband or your wife, and you say, look, this is what we're going to do. And having made the decision, you just stick to it. And then he's going to explain some of this very clearly. Um, he's going to make a very big promise, and this is something that could you, we could take this and run with it and get weird again and go crazy and do some kind of you know TV preacher kind of thing with it. But but it's in the Bible, and so we're going to read it. We're going to look at it. Uh, we have to talk about it. Verse eight. Now, if you got your pen ready, get ready to circle a couple words. And God is able to bless you abundantly 
so that, circle this, in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. In other words, so that you have an abundance for every good work, if you will sow generously and if you will sow consistent with what you have promised, then here is what God is able to do. God is able to give to you everything that you need. He's able to do it exactly when you need it, and he's able to give you according to your need. So I'm going to put this on the, on the wall for you. I want you to say these three things with me one at a time. Repeat after me, all things, all things, all times, all you need. Say it again, all things at all times, all I need. That is God's promise to you as a faithful giver. That is God's promise to you as a faithful giver. Now, gang, I, you know, I'm not a financial whiz-bang. I don't know a whole lot about it. But I know this. I know when you start talking about financial security, that is financial security. Where else would you rather be than right there in that place where God says, I will give you all things at all times, all that you need, if you will be faithful to me with your finances. God says, let me ask you a question. Who do you think is better lined up to take care of your finances, you or me? And you say, well, I guess you are. God says, I would love to do that for you, but you know what I need? I need you investing in my kingdom. I need you to trust me. I need you to invite me into the area of your finances because I am able to give you all things, all times, all that you need. That's financial security. You see, if you're a person who's worried all the time, and if you allow yourself to worry what, you know, and you what if your way out of giving, you've got it all wrong. The wisest thing you could do, the wisest thing you could do is say, God, I'm not, gonna, I'm not getting caught up in all that what, what if stuff anymore. One thing I know, when, when you give to me, you want me to give back to you, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it consistently, and I'm going to do it first, and I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust you. If you have faith in God, do you really think he's going to let you down in that area? Beyond the economy, beyond the, your inheritance or beyond your boss, he is the one who is able to give to you all things, all times, all I need. And then he makes this promise. This is a pretty stinking cool promise, if you ask me. Verse 9, as it is written, and he's going to quote from the Psalms, he has freely scattered his gift, that is to say their gift, it should say his gift, he has freely scattered his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever you say well why is that in there here's here's what god's saying god's saying i have made a promise to poor people and i have made a promise to evangelize the world those things are going to happen god says that is my will and here's what you need to understand god's will is going to happen we clear on that god's will is going to happen here's the question is it going to happen with you or without you I mean, when your life is done, are you going to get to the end and God's going to say, my will has been done. The question is, were you a part of it or were you not a part of it? God's will will get done. The question is, will it be done with you or without you? Will you get involved or will you say, no, it's not for me? See, God is looking. God could do this all by himself. God could do everything. He could just snap his fingers and create stuff and do. He could make it all happen himself. But what he does is he allows us to participate. He says, I want you involved in this. 
And so that means that God is now looking for resources. He's looking for people resources. He's looking for money resources. And he says, I want to do something over here in Africa. I want to do something up here in New York City. I want to do something here in Terre Haute, Indiana. I'm going to do some things. But I need people and I need resources. And I'm looking for people who are going to make those things available to me. And from God's perspective, think about this. Why would God drain you of your resources when you are funding his stuff? Does that make any sense? Does it make any sense that you would give to God and then God would say, well, you know what, I know they've been given to me, but I'm not giving them anymore. No. I mean, doesn't it make sense that if God sees you actively participating in the things that matter to him, that he's going to say, that's somebody I can support. That's somebody I want to pour more resources into. Of course it does. So God is committed. And he's going to do it with us or without us, but he invites us to partner with him. That's the promise of God. This Verse 10, I love this. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will, circle that, also supply and underline that increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness verse 11 you will be made rich figured there'd be an amen there figured figured we'd like that part you know figured we we you know we're all about getting rich i mean we're you know in that our conquest in life all of us wanting to get rich he listen that's not even he's not even messing around right there I don't, I don't see a, you know, you might maybe kind of will sort of get rich. That is, you will be made rich. He's not messing around. In every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So what are you worried about? God says, what are you worried about? If I'm able to give you all things at all times, all you need, what are you worried about? And just by the way, let me make a promise to you as your heavenly father. God says, I will make you rich. If you will continue to give what you can and empty your seed bucket when you get the chance. God says, why, why would I drain you of your resources when you're doing what I want you to do? I'm able to give you all things, all times, all you need. I'm able to make you rich. Now, we get so worried. And we hang on and we cling and the offering comes and we... At some point, you just have to try this. If you've never been a consistent giver to an offering or to a church or to God's work, at some point, you just finally have to say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I, I mean, I, I've never done this before. I, I'm new at this. This is, this is a big step for us. I mean, well, this money could go to a lot of things in our household but I want to honor you, and I'm going to put you first. So we're going to sit down, we're going to think about what is going to be a figure that we're going to start with, that we're going to start to honor you. And it's going to happen every week, God. Some of you have this down. Okay? Some of you that are listening to me right now are just nodding your head, and you're like, man, he's preaching to the choir. I've been this, doing this stuff forever, and I can't imagine not giving my first fruits to God. I, I've got one, I was talking to a guy a couple weeks ago, a friend of mine, and um, he, I don't, can't remember how the conversation turned this way, but he basically works for himself. And he said, um, I, for the new year, he said, we had committed to, we were going to give faithfully first, every week, first thing. And um, he said, we tried in the past and we'd get a little ways, but he said, then, you know, wouldn't, we, we would, 
it would not go well and we give up but he said we're committed this time we're going to do it and he's and he's in business for himself and first of the year things were kind of tough and so um he said man we came to this one one point in life just not too long ago and it it came down to decision time for me am i going to drop that check in the plate or am i going to save that because i might need to eat with that later on in the week i mean it was like you know pretty serious thing and he said i was committed i we we know we're going to do it this way and he said we we did we were faithful we we gave the money and i wish you could have seen his face as he started to explain to me how what he thought was a job he had done that he wasn't going to get paid for that he thought that money was long gone he didn't think he would ever see it he had given up on it and he was talking to someone else that wasn't even really related to what he was doing who paid for the job i wish you could have seen his face like you know it's just like i couldn't believe it is and he didn't say it like this but what he was trying to communicate was Man, this giving to God thing. I mean, he's serious. He really is. He'll take care of you. He, I, I, you know, it was almost he, he, he didn't say I didn't believe it, but there was this kind of this air of I didn't, I wasn't really sure. But God has showed me. I was talking to another guy. You remember a couple weeks ago, before well, before Christmas, when I got up in front of you and I said we're going to collect an offering on the nineteenth of December, a double offering for the Pembertons. You remember that? And I had people tell me, Brett, you're crazy. It's Christmas time. Nobody's got any money. And, and you're, you're asking for a double offering on the 19th of December. Have you lost your mind? And I'm like, no. You know, I want to see if our people will respond. I wanna, I, we need to do this anyway, and the Pembertons need us, and we're just, we just need to pin our ears back and go after it. We're going to double the offering. I know that they're going to do it. So we did that. I preached the sermon that day, told you about the Pembertons. We walked out into the lobby some guy from our church walks up to me he says man i cannot wait for the 19th of december i said how come he said because we get to double our offering i'm like dude you rock we need like a hundred of you he said i can't wait he just big smile on his face he couldn't wait well that same guy as i've talked about money this last couple of weeks he sent me an email this week i want to read part of his email to you I was raised in a home that practiced tithing as a matter of fact as a kid growing up it was expected that I would tithe on the allowance I received so tithing was just a way of life then I met my wonderful wife at church and although she was a relatively new Christian she was taught to tithe as well I am sure that made things easier than if I was trying to get her to tithe anyway we got married a little late in life we were both in our 30s and I was going back to school so we were pretty much living on her salary Do I need to mention that money was a little tight at the time? Since we both knew to tithe, at least that was not an issue. Every week, my wife would cash her check, and we would distribute money into envelopes to pay our bills. Our tithe was the first thing to be paid. After that, we would try to pay the rest of the bills. If you would have looked at the amount of money we needed versus the amount of money coming in, you would have seen there was not enough money. However, every month every bill got paid and we never missed a tithe there can be no earthly reason for how our money stretched each month but i am convinced that god rewarded our faithfulness since that time we have had times of plenty of money and we have had times of lean but no matter our circumstances our tithe has always been taken off the top i said all this to say this if anyone has any doubts i would have to just say just try it just try it he is able to give you all things all you need 
at all times. And he promises to make you rich in all things. Listen, you're already rich. You got two cars and you've got a single family house. Drop that into any scenario in our world and you're rich. God's blessed us. But God, because I'm worried, I'm going to hang on. Because I'm worried, I'm going to cling. I'm going to clamp down. Listen, God deserves our best. God gave Jesus. You can't outgive God. Okay? You'll never outgive God. He gave his best. I want to finish this, this uh, email and then we'll close. I was thinking about having the offering taken at the end. And my vision was that when I called the guys forward for the offering, that we would clap and go nuts and crazy like we would at a ball game. Because that's, to me, that's what cheerful giving should be. You know, listen to what this guy says at the end. Um, one of my favorite memories is one Sunday we were in South Bend and went to a church. And what made that Sunday morning so memorable was that when they announced it was time to take up the offering, the whole church erupted with thunderous applause. I know it says in the Bible that God loves a cheerful giver, but I wonder if he wouldn't love a cheering giver as well. Isn't that good? Listen, can I just tell you that's the dream of my heart, that when, it came, when those guys stood up and came down here to collect our offering, that we got fired up, that when visitors came in and saw how we respond to an offering, they would say, this is the kind of church I want to be a part of. Listen, if, you, if you're ever anything other than a cheerful giver, keep your money. Keep your money, because we don't want it under those circumstances. God loves a cheerful giver. Let's pray together. God, this area of our lives is tough, because this money thing, it means a lot to us, and it generally is the last place we give over to you. I pray, Lord, this morning that you would see our hearts, that you would know that we love you, we want you involved in every part of our life, even this one. And God, for some of us, this is big stuff, this step of taking a step where we're going to become a, a faithful percentage giver it's big stuff so lord i i just uh, this morning we invite you in we ask you to help us we ask you to, to really um, come behind what we're going to do prove yourself to us in this area you invite us to do that to test you in this area so that's what we do show us what a great god you are as we'll show you how faithful we can be we love you lord it's in jesus name we pray